0: I am so happy to be here. Y'all have no idea how much I love this church. I want to, before talking about how much I love this church, I do want to take a quick poll. Uh, the last time I was here was November of 2016. So if you had to say to somebody how many Novembers ago that was, what, how many Novembers ago was that? You hear that, Claude? It's two Novembers ago. Claude, I've been, I've been getting mad at Claude because he's been supposed to do something for me that's taken him a year and a half. And, and no, it's just... It was just last November. No, that was two Novembers ago. Two Novembers. I got unanimous two November response here. <laughs> Unanimous. I love your church. Uh, as Claude said, you've been one of our supporting churches, and we're very thankful for that. I, I have made relationships with several of you from the last time I was here, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, one of the churches we helped plant in Mexico grew it's because I was here, and someone has family there uh, from your church that sent them there. Uh, it's been really wonderful to get to know Several of you, and I hope to get to know many more. I love everything about your church, except for your start time. What is it with... I'm on West Coast time. I had to start at 6.30 this morning. So if this doesn't go well, blame the fact that it's 6.30 in my body, okay? (laughs) With that, there's an assumption in the broader culture that, uh, that, that Christians are not the wisest of people. In the, in the broader culture, one of the assumptions is that, best, that we are uh, that we are foolish, naive, right? and at worst that we're that we're anti-intellectual. And if all you had to go on were the first couple of chapters of First Corinthians, you might start to think that that's actually a a biblical message. Because as you've been studying 1 Corinthians here as a church, I'm sure you've noticed that over and over and over again in these first two chapters, Paul, the author of the book, inspired by the Holy Spirit, criticizes wisdom. I was not sent to preach with wisdom or eloquence, he says. God will destroy the wisdom of the wise, he says. God has made foolish the wisdom of this world. The world through its wisdom has not known God. The foolishness of God is wiser than man's greatest wisdom over and over again, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has not had much positive to say about wisdom. This is because Paul is extremely concerned about something that's happening in this church in Corinth, just a a local church like this one. They're experiencing division within a community that has been united by and for Jesus Christ. And within this divided community, Paul looks... And he sees their human wisdom as being at the root of their church's division. So Paul's issue as he's attacking wisdom in the passage we're about to read and in passages prior is not that he or God are anti-wisdom. They're anti-division. And when we have human wisdom and build our community on human wisdom, it always leads to very serious division. Let's just think about some... Contemporary examples for a moment. So let's say that that we label ourselves as woke, right? Okay, the moment we label ourselves as woke, what are we doing? We're implying that anybody who doesn't see the world through the same lens we see it is still asleep. We're exalting ourselves, I'm woke, and we're excluding others. We do it with our political views, too. Those of us who are conservative use the word liberal like it's the worst curse word you could ever say, right? And those of us who consider ourselves progressive look at our brothers and sisters or at others who are more conservative, and we see them as, as an impediment to progress. We see them even as, as anti-progress. We do it with the church and with our faith. You know, we say, yeah, yeah, I, I go to a Bible teaching church or... I go to a justice-seeking church. I go to a spirit-filled church. I go to a gospel-centered church. Why are we labeling our church that way? So that we can exalt ourselves and exclude those who don't fall into that category. Whatever label we use to, 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 to mark off our wisdom, our human wisdom, however good or true it might be, we do it that we might be able to exalt ourselves and exclude others. Human wisdom divides. It exalts one And excludes another. And so when the Bible criticizes wisdom, as we're going to see in a moment, it's not criticizing true wisdom. It's criticizing what passes for wisdom in our culture, in our age. The wisdom of the age is a way it's referred to in one of the passages we're going to see today. So if we were reading the passage that we're about to read, um, in fact, we're reading any of these passages where, where wisdom is mentioned in the opening chapters of 1 Corinthians, Um, If this would have existed in Greek at the time, Paul would have been using snarky quotes, right? It's like, your wisdom is really not wisdom at all. Your wisdom wisdom exalts some and excludes others. Your wisdom divides. But what we're going to see is that true wisdom, real wisdom, God's wisdom, produces the exact opposite of that. It produces unity. So our main point that I'm going to hit on over and over again during our time together this morning is that human wisdom leads to division, but God's wisdom, true wisdom, leads to right living. Human wisdom produces division, but God's wisdom, true wisdom, leads to right living. So as we take a closer look at at God's wisdom, at true wisdom in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to find out where it's found, how we can obtain it, and why all of this matters. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 6 and following to start. This is the Apostle Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit writing to a church just like ours, dealing with some of the issues that he finds therein. Yet, among the mature, we do impart wisdom. He's saying this after having criticizing wisdom prior. Yet, among the mature, we do impart wisdom. nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things, he says, God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. If you would, keep a finger there, keep a bookmark there, whatever. We're going to keep looking at this this passage together this morning, but we're going to start there. The very first verses, 6 through 9, answer this question for us. Where is true wisdom found? And here, the apostle says, in spite of all the criticism he's leveled about wisdom in in, in prior verses, he says, "Yet we do speak a message of wisdom among the mature." And it's important there that he uses the pronoun "we." Right? He's not dividing and saying, "Yeah, but I speak a message that's of wisdom. The rest of you are foolish." He says, "We." speak a message of wisdom among the mature. It's the same message whether you're among the immature or the mature, but he's saying that the mature recognize it for what it is. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. In other words, Christians, anyone who who trusts that Christ is who he says he is that's been united to him through faith. According to the scriptures, it says that all of us have the same message of wisdom to share. We possess by God's grace a message of wisdom to share, but as this text explains, not everybody interprets said wisdom as wisdom. In fact, it appears to the rest of the world to be the exact opposite of wisdom. It brushes against, it doesn't brush against, it pushes against the wisdom of this age. In other words, when the rest of the world hears us talk, our message of wisdom, it sounds like abject foolishness. Right? And, it, and it doesn't stop there. If we already accept the prevailing wisdom of the age, it will lead us not only to reject the testimony of the Scripture as foolish, it will also lead us to some very specific behaviors. Right? Our view of the world produces how we live within that world. What we believe to be true about the world guides all of our moral decisions down to the very last one. That's why the Corinthian church was giving into attitudes and actions that God says are divisive, and that's why the rulers of this age, as we just saw in this text, crucified the only truly innocent human being to ever live. Why? Because human wisdom, by exalting some and excluding others, leads to division. And once you've got division, well, that can lead to much, much, much worse. And it certainly did with Jesus. The rulers of the age... That, that refers essentially to religious leaders, political leaders, and probably to the spiritual forces that are behind the religious and political leaders. It says the rulers of this age, with spiritual powers behind them, killed Jesus. And, and they didn't kill Jesus. Let me rephrase let me it. They don't kill people like Walter White kills people. Can I make a Walter White reference in here? Is that okay? Okay. They don't kill people like Walter White kills people, right? They killed the living son of God. They killed the only innocent human being who has ever lived. Not on a dark street at night and then dump his body in a tub of hydrochloric acid so that nobody finds it, right? They did it wide out in the open for everybody to see, celebrating it. They didn't feel like Walter White did, we have to hide this because we know there's something wrong with it. They felt, we can put this on display for everybody to see because we are convinced it's just, it's right, it's the thing to do. Why? Because our wisdom produces our moral actions and the logical conclusion of the way they interpreted the world was that it was good and right to murder Jesus, the Son of God, on a cross in front of everyone for everyone to see. They didn't think they were doing anything wrong. That's why they didn't hide it. The murder of Jesus didn't go against the view of their world. It was the logical outworking of their view of the world. Anytime that we have a wisdom that exalts us and excludes others, it makes us vulnerable to make decisions just like that. And hopefully our decisions won't be that extreme. And yet if they are, it would be completely and totally logically Consistent. You can justify the worst of immoral actions. You can justify the worst of immoral attitudes. The moment that you make prioritizing self more important than others. And the moment that you see others as an obstacle, or as less than, or as not falling under the same category, or as rejecting the wisdom that is the key to understanding and living the good life. People... Who you can exclude from your category of where this, where that, where this, where that are expendable. Human wisdom produces division. This is human wisdom. And yet, God's wisdom, as we see in the text, could not possibly be more different. And this is where we see where true wisdom is found. Paul the Apostle is quoting from uh, Isaiah here, and what you see in your Bible, it looks like a, a poetic verse, right? What no eye has seen, nor ear he has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. He's talking earlier about, about this, this mystery that's been hidden, speaking specifically about the cross the mystery that had been hidden, the thing that God had prepared for those who loved him was that God himself in the Son would live a perfect life in our place and then die a terrible death in our place, absorbing the judgment for all of our brokenness that we deserve so that we might be restored to God and restored to right relationship with God's people. And Paul says, if the rulers of this age, what the text says, if the rulers of this age had any idea about the mystery that was really unfolding right before their eyes, if they had any idea about the true wisdom of God being revealed in this mystery, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. For our purposes, what I want us to see there is that Paul is saying that the mystery of true wisdom is revealed in a historical event. It's specifically revealed in the cross of Christ. If you want to know what true wisdom looks like. Look at Jesus on the cross. If you want to know what true, how true wisdom expresses itself. Look at the crucified son of God. If you want to know how true wisdom sounds. Look at the only innocent human being in the history of the world. Crying out. Father forgive them. Father forgive them. For they know not. What they do. This says Paul is true wisdom. And the contrast could not be more stark. Right? Human wisdom exalts self and excludes others. God's wisdom, as we see in the cross, humble self and empties self for the benefit of other people. True wisdom, humble self and empty self for the benefit of of other people. The rulers of the age, because of the human wisdom they had, believed that the the best possible thing was to exalt themselves, exclude others, and kill the one who stood in their way. To kill their enemies was the logical outworking of human wisdom. The logical outworking of God's wisdom was to give his life for the very enemies who were killing him. Human wisdom leads to division. But God's wisdom, true wisdom, leads to right living. And what is right living? Right? What is right living? Well, it's, it's what Jesus is doing right here. It's self-humbling and self-emptying instead of self-prioritizing and self-preserving. It's really the contrast that we're seeing there. Human wisdom self-prioritizes. I've got to look out for number one, and self-preserve. Anything that stands in the way of me and me potentially getting what I want or having to lose what I want, it's got to go. But God, God's wisdom, the wisdom that we want to carry, is not self-prioritizing, it's self-humbling. And it's not self-preserving, it's self empty Unfortunately even those of us who know the message of the cross, even those of us who who would agree with what I'm saying and say, yes, absolutely, that's true wisdom. That's what I want to be reflected in my life. We often find ourselves reflecting naturally the wisdom of this age, right? We often find ourselves ruled even by the wisdom of this age. I spend a little bit of time on social media, probably more than I should uh, and, and, and one of the reasons is precisely for things like this Because it helps me understand how we're all thinking And one of the things I see over and over and over again Is that those of us who profess to be Christians Often promote messages that are not reflections of the wisdom of God But they're reflections of the wisdom of the age But we promote them as if they were the wisdom of the age I, Almost every day I see some version of of message like this right if your friends are always taking from you and not giving to you get new friends well, thank God that Jesus doesn't see the world like that or we would all be without him right you'll also see proclamations like if your relationships aren't making you happy well find your relationships or or, or, or or do not respect those who do not first respect you or it's okay to hate those if they're hateful in fact the proper response to hateful people is to hate them back the proper response to intolerant people is to be intolerant of them these are the messages that we promote and yet these are not reflections of the wisdom of god these are reflections of the wisdom of age that love to exalt self and exclude others that love to say that, that love to be excuse me self prioritizing i'm what's most important here And that love to be self-preserving. If they're sucking energy from me, if they're hurting me, if they're offending me, I'm going to look out for me. I will exalt myself, because that's what human wisdom does. I will exclude others who don't fall into the same category, because that's what human wisdom does. But God's wisdom pushes against all that. And it is self-humbling and self emptying for the good of others. Now look, it is really easy for me to stand up here and say all this is much harder for me or you to actually live according to the wisdom of God, because we have in us, however many years we've been on this earth, of the message of human wisdom resounding inside of us and outside of us. No matter how much you feast on God's word, you cannot stop the fact that the rest of the day, you're hearing messages of human wisdom all around you, even from your brothers and sisters in Christ, even from people with microphones like me, right? It's, the message is, is, is everywhere. So how do we get to the point where we, where we are less led by this sort of wisdom? How do we get to the point where we can recognize that this voice that's talking to me is not the wisdom of God, but it's the wisdom of this age, and that its, it's, it, it's fruit will not be right living, its fruit will be to divide? How do we get to the point where no matter how wise something may sound, if it is not self-humbling and self-emptying, if it exalts self and excludes others, if it divides instead of unites, that we, that we reject it instead of accept it. How do we get to the point where the cross, which according to this passage is, is what true wisdom looks like, it's where true wisdom is found, how do we get to the point where people can look at our lives and see the cross of Jesus Christ? How can people see the wisdom that's displayed in the cross in our regular, everyday living. Where is wisdom found? It's found in the cross. But how do we get it? That's the next question that's answered, and that's answered for us in verses 10 through 16. So let's look down at that one more time. Speaking of... Oh, pardon me. Speaking of the wisdom of God, it says this. These things, in verse 10, God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that per- person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, the Holy Spirit, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. It goes on. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand the things of the Spirit of God because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person... Judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Where is wisdom found? It's found in the cross. We start there. That's where we see the self-humbling and the self emptying But how do we get it? How is it revealed? How does it come to us? Well, that's what this passage is all about. And it says, essentially, that it comes to us by the Holy Spirit. The first thing that we see is that this wisdom cannot be obtained by us. It has to be revealed to us. And the second thing we see is that the only way it can be revealed to us, or rather, the only one who can do the revealing to us, is the Holy Spirit. Now, that means that human beings, that means that you and I can never be truly wise by our own efforts. It's kind of humbling, right? To to have to admit, according to this text, by my own efforts, I will never be wise. And, And look at the verbs in the text we just read, right? Verse 10 says the wisdom of God is revealed to us. By the Holy Spirit. In verse twelve, we receive the wisdom of God from the Holy Spirit, whom God has freely given to us. In verse thirteen, we are taught true wisdom by the Holy Spirit. In verse fourteen, we see that true wisdom is only uh, uh, Spanish words are coming to mind. Reachable is only reachable, can only be discerned through the Holy. Spirit. Spirit, All those verbs over and over again reinforce the same message. True wisdom can't come from in here. True wisdom is revealed to you from someone out there who was freely given to you. In other words, if you want to grow from, from foolishness right, to wisdom, or if you want to grow from some measure of wisdom to greater wisdom, it cannot be through your studies. Your studies are not the road to more wisdom. It cannot be through, through worldly accomplishments or through accolades. Worldly accomplishments and accolades are not the road to true, lasting wisdom. It can't even be by experience or by aging, which is unfortunate because I'm really good or getting really good at this aging thing, like almost an expert, right? And yet wisdom is not obtained even through experience or aging. We grow from foolishness to wisdom. We grow from kind of wise to much more wise when the all-wise God graciously chooses to reveal by His Spirit to us His true wisdom. And there's more. The reason wisdom has to be revealed to us by the person of the Holy Spirit is because wisdom is a person. We read in multiple places that Jesus Christ is Wisdom. He is the personification of wisdom. He is the source of wisdom. All the treasures, Colossians says, of wisdom and knowledge are found in him. Which means that when God chooses to share wisdom with us, to reveal wisdom to us, what God is really choosing is to share himself with us, to reveal himself to us, and that is stunning to me. There's so many of you here this morning that I don't know, yet, and I hope to know you. But the fact that I don't know you means that you hold the power in our relationship. You have the power to decide whether you want to be known or not. You have the power to decide if you're gonna reveal yourself to me, your voice to me, your name to me, your story to me, all that power is in your hands, and you can do with it as you please. But the moment that you choose to reveal yourself to me, the moment that you take that risk of embrace, that risk of telling me that your name, that risk of reaching out your hand, that reach of sharing your story, power is transferred from you to me. And then in that moment, I have the power to accept you or to reject you to respond to your embrace with an embrace, or to pull back. I have the power to interpret properly what you reveal about yourself or misinterpret what you reveal about yourself. I have the power to even use what you reveal about yourself against you as often as I please. Now that you, as my peer, would choose to reveal yourself to me is wonderful. That you choose to to give away your power so that we might know one another is powerful. So if it's meaningful when you as a peer do it, how much greater is it when the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer of the universe, the one to whom we owe our every breath, voluntarily chooses not to wait for you to find him out. But to make himself known to you. To reveal himself to you. Knowing that as he reveals himself to you, you now can choose to accept or reject him according to who he reveals himself to be. You now can choose to properly interpret or misinterpret what he reveals about himself. You now can choose to use the very things God reveals about himself against the very God who just revealed them to you. God transfers Power. God humbles himself when he chooses to reveal and make himself and his wisdom known to us. It's an act of supreme humility that the creator would humble itself to its creation and say, this is who I am. Get to know me, and you can respond well or poorly. But I'm still going to risk less of a risk in the sense God already knows what's going to happen, but, but I choose to risk myself. I choose to make myself vulnerable in some sense to you. If you have a ah, sorry, my throat is killing me. If you have a, a Christian formation of any sort, if you were born and raised in this country and and might they maybe absorb some of the things that have, have snuck their way into contemporary culture from the roots of, of Christianity, you may hear something like that and think, well, yeah, of course. But this is supposed to be shocking. This isn't supposed to be a, yeah, of course, God reveals himself to us, God loves us. This is unheard of that the, God, who sits enthroned over everything, would step up off that throne, come down to our level, and choose to make himself freely known to us. Not, you can know me if you do steps one, two, and three. Not, you can know me when you clean yourself up a little bit. Not, you can know me when you start honoring me. But he makes himself known to us when we are his enemies. This is supreme humility on the part of the one person you would expect to be the very opposite of humble. The one person has the right to not be humble yet he does it. And it shouldn't surprise us once we know who he is. Once we know who he is, it should be, okay, well, this is who God is. True wisdom is revealed in the cross, that self-humbling, self-emptying act. So it's no surprise that this God would self-humble and self-empty by revealing himself to his people for the good of others. We will never see God's wisdom if it is not for his spirit. We get to see God's wisdom precisely because of His Spirit. And then as Paul explains in verse 14, if we don't have God's Spirit, we cannot understand the things that are spiritually revealed. This means that if you are a Christian, if your faith is in Jesus, you should not expect that your non-Christian friends and family and classmates and co-workers... Would see what you believe to be wisdom as wise. You should not expect that your non-Christian friends, family members, co-workers, etc., would look at your decisions and your life and think it to be wise. In fact, if if all your decisions are being celebrated by all of your non-Christian friends and relationships, you might want to examine if perhaps you've given in to a view of worldly wisdom instead of to the wisdom of God. Because the wisdom of God does not appear wise. It even says here that without the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand the things that are of the Spirit. That, that, Does not mean, if you're here, I want to be very clear to everybody, but especially if you're here and you would say, I'm not a Christian, I'm not currently following Jesus, I'm not sure if I believe what this guy is saying. I I want you to know that that doesn't mean, this passage here doesn't mean, that you can't read the words of the Bible and logically follow the flow of argument. Of course you can. You may be able to do that better than anyone else in this room. The point of the passage is not to say that, that without the Holy Spirit we can't understand the logical flow of words in a written text. It is to say that while we may understand the flow of argument, we can't understand them and their meaning, their true, accurate, actual, relevant meaning for us in this moment. We can't understand who they're actually revealing. I've been married about 16 and a half years, and and when we first got married, my wife wrote to me a love letter. Why wouldn't she, right? She wrote to me a, a... a love letter, and uh, it was the last one she wrote me. That was the problem. But she she wrote me a love letter 16 and a half years ago, and and I could pass that letter out to all of you, and every one of you could read it and follow the flow of flow of argument. But none of you would understand who it's revealing, and how and why it's meaningful to me. None of you. I have 16 and a half years of personal. Intimate communion with this woman that makes the words on that page mean something more than the words on that page the Holy Spirit has real and personal intimate with uh, Relationship with God the Father that takes these words on the page and is able to reveal the true person The true meaning behind them and their true meaning for our everyday lives Thus the Holy Spirit And only the Holy Spirit can reveal to us God's wisdom, both on the pages of Scripture and in the cross of Christ. He reveals to us what they're really saying and what they really mean. So up to to now, what we've seen is, is that human wisdom leads to division, but God's wisdom, real wisdom, produces right living. And we can find that wisdom, what it looks like, looking at the cross of christ and we could obtain that wisdom by allowing the holy spirit to reveal it to us through interaction with his scriptures his people the cross etc okay okay so what does it all mean okay Cole true wisdom uh, produces right living, human wisdom produces division, okay the, uh, the cross reveals what wisdom looks like, it looks like self emptying and self humbling, okay Cole, only the Holy Spirit can help me grow in this wisdom, it's not something I can produce by myself, but what does it all mean? What does God want me to do about it? What does this mean for the Corinthian church? What does it mean for Redeemer? Let's think about it together, and let me just propose three, three ways or three things. Three, yeah three ways in which this really 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 matters. The first is that it completely eliminates the opportunity to exalt self. It completely eliminates the opportunity to exalt self at the expense of or to the exclusion of others. If true wisdom is only revealed by the Holy Spirit. That means that I have done nothing to obtain whatever measure, large or small, of wisdom that I have. Everything has been revealed, freely given, To me, I didn't get it because I studied more than you. I didn't get it because I worked harder than you. I didn't get it because I have a better education than you. I didn't get it because I'm older than you. I didn't get it because I have more experience than you. I didn't get it because I've traveled more than you. I can't look to any of those things and say, I'm wiser than person X because of this. I have it solely and only because the Holy Spirit reveals. It to me. If I'm woke, right? I'm only woke because the Holy Spirit woke me. I'm not in a position to look at others and say, why haven't you woke up yet? I didn't wake myself up. The Holy Spirit woke me up. It eliminates the opportunity completely to exalt self. Wisdom didn't come from me. It comes from the Holy Spirit. That's important. Secondly, it doesn't just eliminate the opportunity to exalt self. It also eliminates the opportunity to exclude others. Where is wisdom found? God says, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Who has the Holy Spirit? Certain Christians, some Christians. No, according to God in this very text, all Christians are freely given the Holy Spirit, which means that all Christians share access to the exact same wisdom. They have the exact same source. And those of us who are not Christians, God calls out to us and says, I want to give you the same Spirit. I want to give you the same wisdom. And it's free." We can't say, well, we're a Bible-teaching church, and they're not. We're wise Christians, and they're foolish Christians, because the very same wisdom is available to all of us. We We are robbed, thank God, of the opportunity to exclude others, because the source of wisdom is not found off in some secret room that only we have the key to. The source of wisdom is the Holy Spirit, who is freely given to all of God's people. So we can no longer exalt self because we didn't do anything to get it. We can no longer exclude others because the same wisdom is available to all of us by the same Spirit who makes known the same book and makes known to us the meaning of the same cross. Thirdly and finally, it empowers us. It excludes self-exaltation. It excludes the exclusion of others. And it empowers us to demonstrate the same self-humbling and the same self-emptying that Jesus displayed On the cross. Human wisdom is self-prioritizing. Human wisdom is self-preserving above all else. And any time that you're being led by a desire of self-prioritizing or self-preserving, very bad things can come from that. But God's wisdom, as we've seen, is good news, not just for us, but for everybody around us. Because if we recognize, or if we possess this self-humbling and self-emptying power, then we become tools, just like Jesus on the cross, of reconciliation instead of division, of, of restoration instead of destruction, of serving others instead of demanding that others serve us. Of ending the cycle of violence and sin and revenge instead of thinking the best response is more violence and more sin and more revenge. Of being willing to be called the insults and absorb them rather than thinking that when someone insults us, the best response is to insult them even more intelligently and effectively. This we can actually do. Because the very same Holy Spirit that God just said lives in all of His people is the Spirit that empowered God the Son to live this self-humbling, self-emptying life. The very same Spirit that empowered Jesus to do these things that we marvel at lives presently in you to such a degree, to me this is shocking, that verse 16 says, we, speaking of those who are in Christ, have present tense the mind of Christ as you've probably seen in these past few weeks of studying this book the Corinthian church got problems like crazy problems and Paul doesn't say I have the mind of Christ and you guys will have it once you shape up he says you he says we in all of our brokenness we and all of our sin we and all of our failures we have present tense the mind of Christ, the same Spirit that lived in Him, lives in us. We can live self-humbling, self-emptying lives in a world that tells us that the best thing is to prioritize self and preserve self because we have the mind of Christ because the Holy Spirit has chosen to reveal Him to us and take up residence in us. This is why I've said over and over and over again today, human wisdom leads to division, but God's wisdom leads to right living, and right living looks like Jesus on the cross, self-humbling, self-emptying for the good of others. So as we conclude, the question that I think we have to ask ourselves is if we want to be seen as wise or if we want to be wise. Because the tough truth is that we can't have both. What the wisdom of the age sees as wise, we can get that, right? We can get that through our human accolades, accomplishments, studies, and everything else. We can get that by refusing to be naively taken advantage of, right? We can, we can get that by refusing to be victimized by someone else. That, that's easy. We can get that. And everybody will talk about how wise we are. But we won't be wise. And yet if we embrace the wisdom that comes from the Spirit, the self-humbling, self-emptying wisdom, people will call us fools just as they did Jesus. How can you let people take advantage of you like that? How can you let people disrespect you like that? How can you associate with that political group? How can you associate with that Christian group? How can you associate with people who live and think and talk and behave like that? You're better than that. You're separate from that. We're different. No, no, no. no. We have to choose between looking wise to the world or truly being wise. If you want... To be seen as wise, right? You'll label yourself as woke and others as asleep. Yourself as compassionate and others as indifferent. Yourself as innocent and others as your victimizers. And you will see everybody on the other side as the opposite. But if you are truly wise, you will reject all of these labels that exalt you and exclude others, and you will instead Focus on how you can humble yourself before the group you agree with and the group you disagree with. The group who's like you and the group who's not like you. And how you can empty yourself before them. And you will meditate on the cross daily because you know that is where wisdom is found. And you will look in the scriptures daily because you know that is the means by which the Holy Spirit reveals himself to you. You will be more concerned with the needs of others than with your own needs. You will be more concerned with what you can give to others than what others can give to you. You will be more concerned with the fact that one day you will stand before God and He will say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because you poured yourself out, than you will be that your friends and neighbors will say, well done, because you agree with them or take the same postures as them. Or can show the same papers and proofs of accomplishment as them. And you will do these things even for your enemies. Because that's what Jesus has done. In a world filled, marked by human wisdom. In in, in a world so concerned about... Pitting the victim against the the victimizer, the, the innocent against the guilty, the undeserving against the deserving. Living a life like this sounds impossible, but it is not impossible. You can be certain that it's not impossible because Jesus Christ did it for you. Being the very personification of wisdom... Living eternally amongst the angels, he chose to get off his throne and make his home among fools. Being the only truly innocent man, the one who was persecuted, rejected, and publicly murdered by the worst of his enemies, he chose that instead of responding to his enemies with violence, he would submit to them and let them destroy him precisely for their good. He chose to empty himself out for his enemies instead of empty his ammo out on his enemies. He did this for them. I should actually change the pronoun. He did this for us, right? We were the fools that he left his throne to come live among. We were the enemies that he poured himself out for. And because he made his home among fools and because he was willing to be rejected as one and ultimately. Killed his one because he emptied himself out for us. We are transfer, transformed even from a group of fools to people who possess all spiritual wisdom. From a group of God's worst enemies to God's very own sons and daughters. And because we have received this from him, we are filled with his Holy Spirit and empowered to live and love in the exact same way by his grace. Let's pray together. That we can. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we are thankful that we don't have to guess who you are or what you're like, but that you have somehow, for some reason, chosen to make known to us who you are and what you were like. You have revealed wisdom to us, our human to us. And God, I confess, perhaps we confess, that it is so hard to think that self humbling and self emptying for people who do not deserve it is wise. And that we are currently benefiting and will forever benefit from the fact that you, the all wise God, did that for us. So we ask that you transform our idea of what wisdom is, transform us into people who are self-humbling in the Spirit and power of Christ, who are self-emptying in the Spirit and power of Christ. That we do not divide, but we unite. That we don't exalt self, but we exalt Christ. That we don't exclude others, but we invite others to be a part of the same family. For your glory, Amen. Amen.